Welcome. Thanks for listening. This is episode five of Beyond the Illusion. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the topic of channeling. In my younger days, whenever I heard that word channeling, I immediately thought it couldn't be something to be taken seriously. I really didn't know what it was, but I just knew that it couldn't be real. It had to be some kind of trick or a really good improvisation. Which is surprising because I've always had an open mind about things like that, but for whatever reason, I was closed-minded about channeling. And I never really looked into it until about a year ago, when I came across some channeled material that really resonated with me. So I thought to myself as I was reading it, how in the world do these people know this stuff? I'm going to have to look into this channeling. And that's when I came across a book called A Channeling Handbook by Carla Ruckert. It's a free book in PDF format, and it's available on the internet. So if you're interested, I highly recommend checking it out, because it's a fairly short book, and doesn't take much time to read it, and I think you'll be glad you did. One of the things that Carla says in the introduction of the book is that channeling is a gift that every human being possesses. People have been doing it since the beginning of history, and will continue to do it. Before we move on to the conversation, Let's first try to answer the question, what is channeling, for those of you who aren't familiar with this topic? Well, first of all, you aren't going to find a scientist that will go near this topic, so there aren't many attempts to define channeling from a scientific perspective. The definitions that are out there are many, and vary widely. They include such things as tarot card reading, all the way to telepathic communication. However, the type of channeling we are going to be talking about in this episode is defined best by a slightly modified version I found on crimsoncircle.com. It's stated here as, Channeling is a form of communication between humans and non-physical beings, spirits or entities. A channeler is very similar to a language translator or interpreter. They allow themselves to sense the communication from another being and then translate it into verbal or written language. And in some cases, the communication received could be an image, sound, idea, or feeling. Now that we're all on the same page, let's go to the conversation with Tiana and I that's already in progress. Enjoy. Unfortunately, I can't take out, and I'll, I'll apologize ahead of time okay. because <laughs> some people are very annoyed by that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, just go to like any speech on YouTube and look at the comments and uh-huh. they'll just be like, oh, 50 seconds, he swallows so nasty. I'm, I'm disgusted. I can't oh listen. Oh my gosh, yeah, really? So, I'm like, yeah. so when we put this up, I'm not going to want to read any of the comments. No. People are going to be well, like, no, her, her laugh not. is so annoying. No, we're not going to put it. We're not going to let people comment. Oh, good. Actually. Okay. But yeah. yeah, I just thought it was really petty. You know, people can be really ridiculous, but I, I suffer from the same thing though, because I have this thing where I don't know what it is, but like sometimes if I hear people like chewing gum or something, it's just like, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me, but not everybody has that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a personal problem, but okay. So I'll, I'll start this by saying that, um, the first time I ever heard of channeling was just very recently, maybe like a year ago. And before that, I mean, I'd heard of it, but I just thought it was like this kind of fake, like woo-woo thing that people did. I didn't really know anything about it. hadn't never uh, looked into it, had never heard anyone channel. I had never read any channel material, nothing. I knew nothing about it. All I knew was that it was like 
a parlor trick or something. That's what I thought of it in my mind. And, um, but then, uh, I don't know how I came across this, but I came across a channeling book that was written by, uh, Carla Ruckert and I read it online cause it's a free book and it's pretty short. It's probably only like 50 pages, but it was absolutely fascinating. And I was like, this was written by somebody who's extremely intelligent, first of all, and very sincere and a, a spiritual person. So they're, they're, to me, they were very honest, being honest in the book, you know? And from that point on, I was like, okay, so this, this must be real because this person, I trust this person. And, um, she went on to describe, you know, how channeling should be done safely and different ways of doing it and how she does it. And, um, so then from there it progressed naturally. Like I wanted to know like what she had channeled. And so I went and read a lot of her stuff, but, um, what is your, um, idea of what channeling is? Well, first of all, there's no accident that you stumbled upon. Like, who stumbles upon a book on channeling, right? Like, yeah, yeah, people exactly. tell me these things. They're like, I don't know how it happened. It's like, that yeah. was guided, I think. Um, so, yeah, to me, channeling is connecting to, well, I mean, just channeling itself could just be connecting to consciousness that's not your own. But, for the purposes that I think that you and I would utilize it, it would be uh, connecting to higher consciousness to um, receive insight and higher wisdom, understanding, and sort of like you, I didn't know anything about channeling. And then, um, but I was into dreams. I've been into dreams, you know, since I was young and writing them down. And so my boyfriend at the time had found a book on dreams and given it to me. And it just so happened that this book was a channeled book. And I don't think he even knew, you know, it just, oh, a book on dreams and gave it to me about oh. dreams and consciousness. And it turned out it was channeled by this being Seth that I talked about before oh, in right, the dreams yeah. podcast. It was channeled by Seth. Um, through a woman named Jane Roberts. And I just really liked Seth. <laughs> he was like, he's funny, but he was really smart. And it just connected to me. Um, so in the, I went to the used bookstore and I looked, cause these books were like from like the sixties or seventies, um, books that were channeled by Seth. And so um, I found another book that was a Seth book and really liked it. And then I was like, on a mission to find all the Seth books and look through all these stacks of old used books and finding as many Seth books as I could. Um, and I just, I wanted my own Seth. I, I wanted this. I was like, wow, how cool would that be to have this being that you, you know, that's very wise, that can see beyond our material realm and, um, give you answers to all of your deepest questions about, you know, why we're here and how everything works. And um, so the way that Jane Roberts connected to Seth is interesting. In one of the books, she tells the story, and I'm, you know, paraphrasing off of what I remember, but um, so Jane Roberts didn't start off as a person who was spiritual. 
And she was working like at a newspaper, I believe, kind of as a journalist. And they had assigned her to write an article and she had to go um, get like a tarot card reading and, you know, um, talk to a psychic or something like this, like several of these different things. And then one of the things that she was supposed to do is um, to get a Ouija board and to experiment with it. Hmm. And um, so she did, right? That was her assignment. And I don't think she thought anything was going to happen because she didn't believe in any of those things necessarily. Yeah. But then when she was using the Ouija board, um, that's how she made her first connection with Seth is that these messages started to come through and they were, you know, really helpful to her. They had a lot of insight. And so, and then she started to hear the messages in her head before they'd get spelt out on the, the Ouija board. And so she just stopped using the board and she started, that's how she began channeling. Um, she mm-hmm. and her and her husband was very interested in the messages that came through. And so they would do that together. So I'm really coming out of my spiritual closet right now because this isn't a story that I would often tell people because I know as soon as I say Ouija board, like how does that make you feel? <laughs> people ah, get scared. Um, yeah, it has a it it has some baggage that comes along with it. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. And and I do want to preface this by saying I'm not um, endorsing Ouija boards at all, um, but I'm just going to tell my story. So. Well, I wanted my own connection to Seth or to a Seth-like being because I think Seth said he wasn't going to communicate with anyone else um, besides Jane Roberts. Um, But I thought, oh, okay, well, this is how you do it. (laughs) So what did I do? I was like, well, I need to go out and buy my own Ouija board. And so then it's like, where do you buy one of those things? Where do you buy one? Toys R Us. Because I know it was made by, you know, it's made by like Hasbro or, you know, it's like a board game, you know, you find it in a board game. So I think the thing to understand, yeah, it's just a piece of cardboard and a piece of plastic. It's not made, it's not, you know, made in a magical play (laughs) that imbues magical powers. It really is just, you know. A cardboard. Yeah, it's just coming out of a factory yeah, somewhere. Yeah, a thing coming yeah. out of a factory. And so that alone should tell you, you know, not to be so afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. And my boyfriend at the time was pretty open-minded, and so he was willing to, to experiment with me. And I did, I think, I can't quite remember the order that things came. But I did also, I think maybe at this point, read this book about channeling, this book that I really want to recommend to anybody who's interested in channeling, because I think this book has a really good approach called Opening to Channel by Sanea Roman. Mm, okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I think I'd read that book at that point, maybe, because I did know enough to have the intention when I used it to only connect to a loving higher being, or maybe just in, I can't remember if I read the book later and I just intuitively knew that I only want to direct my focus and intention to connect to a loving higher being. But I I always used it that way. Always used it with that positive intention. I only want to connect to a loving higher being. And and so it did start to move right away. And, um, but it was just, it was moving, but it was spelling gibberish, Hmm. but, hey, I was encouraged. This thing is moving. 
um, I don't know how many times. So I was excited about it. I mean, this is crazy, right? This thing's actually moving. Yeah, so I think it took a number of times before it actually started to spell something that made sense. Okay. Um, but we we were using it, and it started to spell something that made sense, and, and there was someone talking. And I, so I'm really excited, right? I was thinking like, oh, are you my guide? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it spelled no. And I'm like, oh, you know, do we know each other in past lives? No. And it was just a dead guy (laughs) it was like you know uh joe who his horse kicked him in the head and he died (laughs) he was just a dead guy okay yeah he wasn't an enlightened enlightened being he was just somebody on the other side okay um but again i'm still excited right i'm like (laughs) talking to you know i'm sure he had some good things to share too i mean not really he was you know but but hey it was somebody and so that encouraged me but my boyfriend pretty much was just like yeah i'm done with this i'm not interested anymore but i was like super excited about this and so when he would go away to work um i was like i'll just do it on my own and so so i did i did it on my own and I don't remember how much time passed, but one day this being came in. Um, her name was Fanny. <laughs> her name was Fanny. Um, and she had all these messages about my boyfriend, like helpful messages. He was having challenges with his boss at work and feeling frustrated and she brought in all this like higher wisdom about this and telling me about a past life that he had had with his boss before and this is why they have this karmic issue that they're working through it was really fascinating really yeah wow. and the, and she also <laughs> she also kind of scolded me a little bit you know because i was kind of too pushy in the relationship or whatnot and so it was obvious like she was there for my boyfriend like she had a connection with him um or she was one of his guides because she was there really to to give information that would help him yeah so it was cool but of course like i'm like what about me yeah exactly <laughs> hey i'm the one doing this <laughs> no so and then of course you know when i told him about it he's now interested because yeah. it's helpful to him right and so so we brought her through and she gave a bunch of good information um but yeah, I was still feeling like, wait, what about, where's my guide? Okay, mm-hmm. we got your guide for you. That's good. Um, and and again, I don't know how much time passed, but finally my guide did come in one day. And his name was William, mm-hmm. but he said to call him Will. And um, he was funny. I literally liked him. He had a good sense of humor. He used puns a lot i like you know wordplay and he would kind of speak in riddles like he wasn't gonna give me all of the answers he would like tell me something like um that i must quest for the answers and (laughs) things like this but what was happening with the board was like what jane roberts said is that the messages were coming through in my head faster than it would take to like move the little thing on the board to spell it out. And I was getting the messages faster in my head. Um, Anyway, so now I'm like really hooked, right? Like, wow, I have this source of information, you know, even though he's not giving me all the exact direct answers, there's like lots of 
Really interesting, really helpful information coming in between Will and Fanny. And I'm, I'm wanting to talk to them every single day, all the time, right? Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> I imagine. Um, so are you going through, sorry to interrupt, but are you going through some kind of like um, ceremony or like way that you're initiating this conversation? Or um, So basically, I would get the board out mm-hmm. and I would just, in my mind hold the intention you know that i so initially it was just i wish you know to contact a loving higher being to help me mm-hmm. and um and then once i knew will and fanny i would just you know get quiet and ask for them inwardly okay yeah okay. just kind of call to them so yeah so i'm trying communicating with them every single day and writing down the messages that come through um and they told me you have to meditate um, this we can't keep communicating like this. They they were saying that they were so. Will had said he's like my gatekeeper, like he keeps the connection safe, and that they are stepping down their energies so that we can communicate. And so they're kind of like creating this whole space for us to communicate, and making it possible. Yeah. But that it's kind of like. Um, you know, like if you're a weightlifter and then somebody's spotting you and they're kind of holding some of the weight for you. Yeah. Kind of like that. But like, really, you need to learn how to build your own muscles yeah. up. to. So so they were holding most of the weight and I'm not really doing much of anything. Okay. And they were saying that I need to learn how to meditate so that I can raise my own frequency up to meet them instead of them dropping their frequency down. Okay. And had you been meditating at all at that point or... I had tried before and just thought that, you know, at this point on my journey, which is at the very beginning of my journey, I was really left brain focused. Okay. I think I'm a very naturally right brain person. But, you know, from a young age, you get trained to be a left brain person in this world. And so, yeah, at that point, you know, I'm still corporate businesswoman, <laughs> um, very left-brained. And so I tried to meditate, and I just found it very frustrating, and I stopped. And so they were like, you need to try again. And um, so I did, and no, I didn't, I hated it. It was, like, frustrating, uh. and I just really didn't enjoy it. So I'd go back to the board, and they were, like, strict with me, like, tough love. They said, if you don't, you need to connect with us through meditation, you know, Um First, they said something like, oh, you can only, we're only going to meet with you, like, let's say on Tuesdays or something like this, like once a week, you're only going to, you know, and I've been used to having them every single day. Um, And I'd go to the board and nothing would happen if it wasn't the day that they said. And so then. Oh, wow. And then they finally, they were like really tough love because I wasn't doing my end, right? I was, (laughs) I needed to get better at meditation and I just it's so much easier just to go to the board and have them tell me the answers than to try to get my mind to calm and still. And um, so I was still using that too much. And they finally said, okay, we're, we're going to stop talking to you on the board. You're going to have, the only way you can connect with us is inwardly. Oh, they, okay. So they were like, no more crutches, no more nothing. Yeah. You're, you're done. Okay. That's the higher wow. love, right? Yeah. I mean, my so everyone's guides will be different, but you know, well, it's my like guides, what a loving parent would do to a child. I right. Mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how it is, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Because I was being like a, a belligerent <laughs> child, right? And not, not doing what I was needed to do. Um, yeah. So then 
I went, I would go to the board and nothing would ever happen. And it was so, oh my gosh, it was, cause it was like when I started communicating with them, it was like this whole world opened up that I didn't even know existed. You know, it's like if you thought the world was two dimensional all your life and then boom, suddenly there's a third dimension. You're just like, oh my gosh. I, I always joke to people, it's kind of like um, the Wizard of Oz, right? She's in Kansas. It's in black and white. Everything seems really drab. And then when she, the house lands and she's in Oz and it's like full of color and everyone's singing and dancing and it's so alive yeah. like, that's what it was like for me like at that point in my life just feeling really disillusioned with the world and oh i'm just gonna work for this company and make them money and i'm just gonna get a better salary and a better job title so i can have nicer things you know we've had these conversations before that just felt so empty and then and then, wow, suddenly this door opens and there's this whole other inner world that I didn't even know existed, right? So I'm so excited, like I've never been excited my whole life. And then, boom, that door is shut now. <laughs> that door is shut, you know? Yeah. Just imagine if she just got kicked back to Kansas and she was just in Oz for like, you know, one day. And she's like, no, no, there's so much more of Oz I need to see. Yeah, of course. That'd be, yeah. Yeah. Be traumatizing. <laughs> It was, it was. I it, it, it kind of put me in like a depression, you know? Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, I've lost, I finally found this thing and now I've lost it. But just as they knew, um, that totally motivated me. I was like, well, I need, I, I need that back, you know? I want that back. And so I just started meditating. I just, even though I didn't like it and it was hard, I kept trying it i don't remember again how much time passed but i kept doing it because i really really missed that connection and i couldn't just let it go the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and experienced in your life are you going to just let it slip away yeah. you know no. so i was motivated to do that it was kind of like they had dangled the carrot in front of me <laughs> knowing mm -hmm. that they had to give that to me first to give me a little taste of it yeah um so i kept trying and and then one day it meditation just clicked where i just oh this is how it goes this is how yeah. i meant to feel and then that so changed you never everything. went and you you never sought mm. out any instruction or anything on how to meditate you just uh, learned on your own um i don't i can't remember if i read any books on it um what i found for me was yeah i think initially i tried just the whole stilling your mind and being present thing and that's that's the hardest way to like start off with meditation and so then i found i think some guided meditations and that was much better for me because when somebody else was talking my mind would shut up like to be respectful and listen yeah. so that worked much better for me and so i would okay. like listen to like a guided meditation and that would kind of get me there um but I mean, I was like meditating for like three hours or more at this point. So like the first 45 minutes or something might be listening to that um, guided meditation to get me in a deep state. And then and then that instruction would end and I could just be in that state after okay. I was guided. And so I think that was the game changer for me was to listen to guided meditations. Okay. And um, so, yeah, that was going on. I don't know how long, um, and I would meditate on the bed. And then at one point, I guess I 
started verbally channeling my, my uh, I guess through my voice, it had said, and I was like, I wasn't like fully knocked out. Like it was like aware that something was happening, but not fully conscious of what, you know? Um, and then the voice through me had said to my boyfriend who was in the same room, grab a pen and paper and write this down. And so, and then, so we would do channeling like that where I wasn't really conscious of it and he would write down and then eventually we got a little handheld recorder so he didn't have to write everything yeah. down. So that's how I got that connection back and that's how I got motivated. Now, I would say that I'm not recommending that people use a Ouija board um, because I do think even though like I already said, it's just a toy made, you know, in a factory, um, but because so many people have used it um, in not the highest way, like it can, I think, attract um, negative beings or entities. And especially, I think, you know, so many people have had experience when they were in middle school or when they were younger and they were just playing around and they didn't have a pure or high intent. Um, and they're kind of playing around with it to sort of scare themselves. So you, then you will attract something that will scare you when you, your intention is very important. But also my guide had said that they were helping me. And because my intention that I wanted to connect from like this pure place within me that I wanted, you know, to receive higher wisdom for higher good was able to draw and attract our guides. And then they were able to hold that space, yeah. you know, just enough for us so that they could move me over to meditation instead yeah. of using. But yeah, it, you know, they told me that that's not the best way hmm. to communicate. Or even they have different, um, they have different oracle boards like that, not the Ouija one that oh. are meant that are like created more for love and light. And oh, I think I that people that buy those um, are coming, you know, and they'll even they have instructions on them of kind of like a prayer that you could say before and so forth to use it yeah. in a more loving, positive way. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm glad you said that because I think that part is an important distinction for people who want to go ahead and try channeling on their own because um, I'm, I'm just going to say that was thunder in the background. It's been raining, so um, I'll, I'll do my best to clean that up for the listeners but i think it's okay it's just it was we can't help it it's just the weather the gods are yeah. speaking <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but um yeah so because that's uh one of the parts that carla really focused on in that book that i read about channeling was that you need to take the appropriate precautions for beforehand and during your channeling sessions so that you are getting um what you want out of it like the type of um entity or being that you attract or, or that you connect to is what you think it is right because um you know there is this there there is i think a little bit of at least what she said is there is a little bit of a danger that you can connect to being that doesn't have your highest good uh, in its you know for its intentions but yeah i would say it's it's the same kind of rules apply spiritually connecting to beings the way you would apply to physical people in your life. You have to learn discernment and use that. You mm -hmm. don't just like um, 
trust any stranger that walks up to you. Um, yeah. You get to, you know, feel them out and ask the right questions and use your discernment about who you trust in your physical life. And it's the same way connecting to a, a being. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's pretty much what she said. Yeah, so um, she eventually got to the point where she, they did some pretty elaborate uh, ceremony type stuff beforehand, but I think it was mainly because she would go into a trance state and that is a different kind of channeling. I think there's all, there's several different kind of channelings, but um, hers is particularly vulnerable. So I think that's why they had to go to that extent. Yeah, I think, you know, actually, cause that's what I started doing when I was in this three hour meditation was I was trance channeling and my guides said they didn't want to keep doing it that way. They wanted me to come up into a conscious state and that we could connect that way. Like they don't need to come in your body, through your body. Mm -hmm. You can telepathically connect to them. And yeah. so then the same way we're having a conversation out loud, it's just like that, but Inside you know, with, head. yeah, with thoughts, with energy, we don't need um, to have them take over our body. And that's yeah. the smarter, safer way to do it and so like in that book opening to channel by Sinea Roman that's what they recommend is um, to do the you know in like a telepathic conversation to do a conscious channeling and that's very that's really safe that way yeah yeah I think so and like you said I don't know actually if you did say this but not everybody can go into a trance you know like you may be able to do that but I don't think most people can because, I mean, you were doing marathon meditating there, like three hours at a shot. Like, I don't think I've ever meditated for that long, even if when I was, like, trying to. I think I maybe hit two hours one time, but that was, like, pretty hard to, you know, sustain. I have, at times, I don't know if it's me or my higher self, but I, I do have, like, some conversations happen in my head that's like, oh, where'd that come from? Write them down. I think. Um, we discount so much of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no scientific evidence that proves where thoughts come from. They still haven't figured that out, right? Yeah. And so um, my guides and other spiritual sources say that not all the thoughts in our head are generated from us. So some, you know, your, your own soul or your guide, some of those thoughts are coming from, from them. And so it's something that we're already doing on some level, but just, you know, to have it in this formalized way, um, that's what we're calling channeling. If we're talking just about our own higher consciousness. Yeah. Something you said earlier when you were describing what channeling is or what your experience with channeling was, um, was that you said you started to describe like, oh, there's this, this entity and they have like they're in a higher dimension and they have access to knowledge and information that we don't have access to here in our material world. And I can see how that would be so enticing to, to actually be able to speak with somebody or communicate with them about like, Hey, you know, what's, what's it really like outside of our material realm? And that to me was really what drew me in to a lot of Carla's stuff was that she started or her and her um the people that were there with her would start to ask these beings questions that i would have asked like they started they started right in with the whole like hey so what are these ufos everyone's seeing you know <laughs> like just the questions you would ask something who knew more than than we know 
And I thought that was just so fascinating because then they went on to the pyramids and they went on to all these mysterious topics that this being had answers for. And the answers were um, the kind of responses that you would have expected, right? They were, some of them were shocking. I, I mean, some of them were like, oh, wow, that's what's going on really? Wow, that's, we didn't know that. But most of them were like, okay, so yeah, that's what we thought and that's what's happening what really gave me because i was still a little skeptical like well maybe carla's just saying that because she knows about all this different stuff but then what really um what really convinced me was that she said she didn't know any of this stuff she she wasn't like someone who researched the pyramids she wasn't someone who did all this uh ufo investigations or anything she was like i don't know this stuff like how could i give answers on this stuff that were even coherent at all let alone like what you thought the answers were um because there was even a time where the guy was like hey how about this specific ufo case and i happened to have read the book about there was i think there were three books about this one specific ufo case it was like these abduction cases where these people were being taken and there's a lot of like, just, you know, it's things you would never, uh, the average person would never know. And they asked about that specific case and the being gave them the answer that I suspected all along, you know, when I was reading those books and I was like, well, if she's never read those books or she's never, these books hadn't even been written yet, by the way. And I was like, how could they, how could they know that? Like, this is actually real. This must be real. Because this mm-hmm. is the same answer I would have come to after reading the books that came out many years later, you know, because these channelings took place in the early 70s or sorry, the early 80s and late 70s. And so, um, yeah, it just was like it, it just kind of convinced me like, well, something is really actually happening here. And for me to be like get that kind of like evidentiary proof really mm-hmm. um, is what I needed. And then, right. yeah, and then it kind of sucked me in like, oh, wow, uh-huh. this is, there's a lot of validity to this. Yeah, I think, you know, with trans channeling, you can get more of that kind of information through mm-hmm. when the, when the human personality is out of the body and then the, I know, higher consciousness comes into the body. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think most people, um, and, and so we kind of need that yeah. evidence in early on to sort of prove to us that this is something worth exploring. But I mm-hmm. think for the average person's usage, um, why channeling is something that they should consider exploring is not really for those kinds of things. Right. It, that is what draws us in, right? Like yeah. I want all the, and that's, you know, and I, I was the same kind of person. I wanted those kinds of things, but, um, but actually the real benefit that I got from channeling was just the deeper insight into my own challenges, my own struggles, and and seeing things from a higher perspective, not just from my personality level. Yeah. And so, and most people, and a lot of times, you know, if I'd ask those kind of bigger, broader questions, my guides at least weren't telling me, you know, how the UFOs were, or not mm. how the how the pyramids were built, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We were talking mostly about, you know, oh, you know, what's my direction? What's my yeah. challenge? What's my? And I think for the average person they'll want to explore channeling in a conscious state yeah. and it'll be um, safer and it'll be less dramatic, but it'll be more useful for their everyday life 
to explore channeling that way. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's the part I didn't say is that they would always preface those answers with, well, this isn't even important. Like you really shouldn't be focused on this at all. Like you're kind of wasting your time with this by asking that. And they would always say that this is not important. Like you should be asking, you know, questions about, you know, your spirituality and, and how to improve your life from within, like you were saying. And they would always say that before they answered any questions about pyramids or UFOs or (laughs) anything that we thought was really fascinating. They're like, well, you know, that's, it's okay. We'll tell you the answer, but you know, maybe try to ask better questions, you know? So, and I did find that after reading a lot of that, yeah, that stuff was very superficial and doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. I think with this podcast, I'm sort of hoping that we take some of these, even though I'm a very mystical person actually, (laughs) um, but that closes a lot of people off to some of these um, concepts yeah. because they're like, oh, that's for those weird spiritual woo-woo people. Yeah. Um, whereas like Reiki, hypnosis, channeling, these could all be useful tools for anyone's life if we demystified it a bit more and showed how, oh, it's actually not so weird. Um I mean, those, so, you know, and I have all these weird stories that I do like to tell, but at the same time, I also want people to know, oh, but it's actually something really normal, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, everyday life is not just full of, like, all this crazy weirdness, you know, and, and we need to um, find some common ground here, especially since this is a one-way conversation. <laughs> but um, what what kind of messages do you recall from those early days that really meant a lot to you? There are so many. I wish, so we had written them all down and then years later I went through a different spiritual phase where I was like, oh, I'm gonna release all of my past and just live in the now and I threw all of them away. And it's now it breaks my heart because I remember vaguely certain things, but I wish I could go back and see specifically. like. This was, you know, back in the late 90s, and I remember them telling me about this big shift that was going to happen on the planet spiritually, and how because we were going to move into this higher vibration as a planet, that meant that a lot of these structures and systems um, that are lower vibrational will need to break down and clear the way so that we can create higher vibrational systems on the planet. And that meant that we would go through this very unstable period in the world. And it would look frightening, but um, it's part of a higher plan. And back in the late 90s, that sounded pretty hard to believe. Everything felt really stable, the way it's always been kind of feeling. So I was like, oh, that's cool, but I didn't know if I necessarily believed it. And there was this whole thing about, I remember, and they didn't tell me why, but about the migration of people and how that was going to be a big issue of people moving. And I I didn't know, I thought like, oh, there's going to be what, some kind of water scarcity or what it was. But, you know, now you can, now I can look at and see like, oh, the things that they said, yeah, they're happening. They're happening right now, which back then just seemed like this big, you know, story that was being told to me. I mean, so there's those kinds of things. But wow, then, that's re- that's pretty interesting. 
that you they were saying that back then and then now you're actually seeing it happen you know so many years later so many years later yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i think the more interesting things of course for me were the things about me <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how we think right mm-hmm. the things that helped me grow you know that was in the beginning of my journey so i had a lot of healing and growth that needed to happen to help me on my spiritual path. And I can remember, I think I mentioned this before, that, you know, when I was younger, I was interested in going to psychics and they would tell me like, oh, oh, you have this information in you. You you can connect to this. And I'd always be like, oh yeah, then why don't I? That's ridiculous. And I never believed them. Um, and so to get to a place where I feel very connected and fluid with my own higher consciousness that was a journey and so they would help to show me the roadblocks along the way and whenever and then you know I left Hawaii quit my job moved to Boston and um, was really deeply into my spiritual path and, and was working just minimum wage job in a cafe but having all this time that I could meditate and read and practice Reiki and and explore spiritually. And so I would channel consciously a lot during that time. And there came a point where Will actually told me again with his tough love, <laughs> he, he was like, you have to stop asking so much because I'm not higher than you. Mm-hmm. He said, I can just see from a different perspective. We're the same level. Um, I'm just on the other side I can see from and so you need to trust yourself more and not because I was like consulting them for everything you know and so then again he kind of like made some distance with me and I had to start trusting the answers that I had within and not but in the beginning I needed them a lot to kind of get me to that point and then it was like oh yeah I do have that inside of me you know and so then from that point um, over the years, just not, you know, so not every day channeling, but just kind of when I have a bigger question or something would connect in and get messages. Okay. So you, you do still do it occasionally then? Yeah. Well, so we've done this kind of dance a few times where when, you know, uh, I went through that dark night of the soul that we'll talk about eventually mm-hmm. <laughs> on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so times when things are really difficult for me then I channel more because I, I'm just stuck or you know I'm having a hard time on my own and so they'll come to me more during those times and give me encouragement um, and then there'll be other times when yeah so I, I started so there'll be other times when they kind of like back off and they'll even tell me they'll even tell me like we're gonna back off you've got this you can do it and so it's better if, if you just trust and believe in yourself and we're not going to be coming around and, and talking to you. Um, because when I was going through the dark night of the soul, the archangel started coming to me. And I tell this story to people a lot because uh, I just think it's funny. When I first started on the spiritual journey, I was like, okay, I'm talking to spirits. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not going to share that with everyone. Um, but yeah, now I'm sharing that with everyone. Um, but I was like, but I'm not going to be one of those, you know, woo woo angel people. Like I'm not going to become, you know, one of those kind of people. Um, 
that wears only purple and <laughs> you know nothing nothing wrong with if anybody <laughs> only wears purple or whatever um, but yeah I love purple <laughs> Tim's wearing all purple right now yeah. decked from <laughs> head to toe yeah um no, but um, yeah, so I had in my mind, and I think this is true for a lot of people, when you open up kind of to a spiritual path, you're like, oh my God, does this mean that I have to become vegan and, you know, wear hemp and whatever, <laughs> you yeah, know, like this yeah, like yeah. stereotype, like, oh, this means that yeah. I have to be this kind of person. And it so yeah. doesn't, you can be whatever you want. And so, yeah, but anyway, so I had decided, well, there's no way I'm going to become one of those weird angel people. Um, and then during that dark night of the soul, the angels, archangels started to come to me. And then I was having these experiences really intensely during that time. Um, yeah, if even just like at night kind of traveling with them or them giving me healing or giving me messages. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll work with you. <laughs> well, and they were telling me, you know, because they wanted me to tell my clients about them because because this is a free will universe like they're there to help and different archangels have different um kind of areas of expertise or focus however you want to say that but they need our free will to to help us so Mm -hmm. they need us to call on them sometimes it might seem like like they showed up and I, i wasn't calling on them but then um another part of me was right maybe my conscious mind isn't aware but um but if we if our conscious mind chooses to call on them then they can really you know help us well so there's all of this spiritual help and support out there but there's also this love for us that lets us try whatever we want with our free will even though it's making us miserable uh, you know they'll step aside and wait for us to call and ask for their help yeah when they were coming to you um these archangels mm-hmm. were they telling you i'm archangel so-and-so or were they, you just intuitively understanding that, that they were different from what was coming before yeah that's a good question because that goes into kind of like how do we distinguish who we're communicating with that if they're non-physical right yeah, yeah. and everyone's going to have a different way of perceiving inwardly so we have a inner version of all of our outer senses right so you could have inner vision you could see them you could have um inner hearing you can hear them talk inner um, feeling you can sense feel the vibration um just inner knowing all of these kinds of things depending on you some of those will be strong for you and some won't and so for me, I'm not inner visual. Um, I, I'm, I hear them. That's one way that um, I hear and know and feel things. But my inner hearing and inner feeling, those are the ones that I rely on the most. And that's why I think it's so great to work with energy because um, I like to say how you know, energy doesn't lie. So it's really, really helpful. I mean, this is helpful in the physical world. Once you start working with energy, you know, it doesn't matter what the person's lips and are saying, you can feel the truth or the non-truth of what they're expressing um, through energy. And the same thing with, you know, so these non-physical beings, like some being could show up and say, I'm Archangel Michael, 
but uh, is that true? Like for me, what um, helped me, the I don't know, for me, the archangels have a very distinctive feeling that I will feel in my heart chakra. And I feel lots of different things in my heart chakra, but they have this real intense it's hard to explain what this sensation is, but it's 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 their signature for me, their calling card. Um, and whenever I'd feel it, it could be any of the archangels. It always, I perceived it the same way in my heart chakra that made me know it was them. Um, so so that, it was a sen- physical sensation you were getting. It was an energetic sensation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. A very strong energetic sensation. And they actually taught me because... So honestly, like I didn't really believe in negative beings, mm-hmm. probably for most of my spiritual journey, even though I, I did have a couple of experiences when I lived in Boston, I had a couple of experiences um, that scared me because I was doing a lot of astral traveling at that time. And then it started to happen where I, when I'd slip out of my body and I'd be out in the cosmos somewhere that there was this like dark being that kept coming and showing up and really scaring me. Um, And then I would just bring myself back to my body because, you know, when you think of your body, boom, you're back in your body. And it was there every time. And so it made me like, um, after I had those negative experiences, I stopped everything and tried to go back to being a regular person with just kind of like, I've shut that door and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be a regular 3D person. (laughs) Um, But that felt the world felt really empty again again uh, it's like yeah. closing the door to oz you know yeah. and just living back in black and white uh film yeah. and um so at that time when that happened luckily somehow the, the way that that channeling book just found you yeah. this school in um georgia this metaphysical school called delphi found me hmm. and then i went to that school and then it helped me a lot because i didn't have any outer physical teachers at that time and then going there and it was led by really strong women and um they helped me a lot and so so anyway through that i had realized that i had been neglecting my lower chakra work and so my conclusion at that time was that oh um that negative being it was uh maybe like a reflection of my own lower energy stuff that needed to be worked through and that's the way that I perceived it for a long time but when I went through this dark night of the soul which was only a few years ago Mm -hmm. um, that time I did start to have some negative beings that were messing with me (laughs) and that scared me a lot it'd be like when I lay down to go to sleep and so and then so Archangel Michael had told me um, oh you're your chakras, you leave them to open, um, shut them down, make sure you close them before you go to bed at night, because that's when you're more likely to have these other beings messing with you. Um, and also, also, so you had a channeled message that talked mm-hmm. about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that he said was for me to be discerning when being because I what will happen is like I'll feel it show up energetically I'll feel the vibration and uh and then and then I'll hear so first I'll feel the shift in the vibration and then I'll I'll hear the message talking to me and so it happened to me a few times during this time I know all of this is like really crazy stuff but um 
And I can't believe I'm saying it to whoever's listening to this podcast. No, I think it, I think people are going to find it fascinating. <laughs> so um, they said, because what happened was I like a being had come. I felt this being come and um, I felt it really strongly in my third eye, which made me think like, oh, this is an evolved being, right? It's, it's your sixth chakra. It's high level frequency energy. And, um, but it was trying to like get me to leave my body and telling me that it had like, that it had a, a mission for me to, you know, to leave, like, and it, it, they were going to teach me things. And I don't know, I just, uh, it just, it felt skeptical, but I could feel its eye frequency. Um, but I, you know, I just was like, no, I'm, I'm here for a purpose. I'm not going to leave. So then I asked that because afterward the archangel showed up and I was like, well, hey, where were you during that exchange? And they said, um, oh, you know, it's okay. You had it. You could handle it. Um, yeah, make sure that you ask them if they serve love and light uh, because being they can't lie. Mm-hmm. It just you can't lie I don't know I always joke like I don't know if people remember this or ever had this experience but like when you're a kid and like you were underage drinking or something and people would always be like okay well oh that person maybe they're a cop um and then like oh well um ask them for a cop they have to tell you if they are that's the law and I don't I still don't know if that's actually really a thing or if that's just an urban myth Uh, I don't know but um in that same way I've heard before like you know if if you communicate or if a being shows up, um, ask them if they serve love and light, and they have to tell you. Um, and so I always kind of was like skeptical, like, yeah, is that just one of those urban myths? But I tested it during that time because it was happening to me where these beings were showing up. And it, it's it's funny, but it's true. Like um, every time I would ask, you know, do you serve love and light? They'd either say, you know, either some someone says yes, or they would avoid answering mm. they were they'd be like i am a high level being you know you say but do you serve love and light um i have wisdom to share and they won't actually answer the question or i even had ones that said no um oh they would just tell you yeah they said no but i'm a higher level being and yeah. you know you can learn a lot from me or things like that yeah yeah you know you know people should be careful um they should you know be aware that there's 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 you know, the positive and the negative side of everything really. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, that's like one of the things that, um, that once they started channeling and they started asking these entities, you know, Hey, um, we're interested about this. We're interested about that. And then these entities came back and said, well, we're here because we want to tell you this. And then, um, well, that I think eventually came up like, hey, what what do you want to share with us? And then, so they were like, hey, we want to share uh, something with you that we call the law of one. And they were like, what is the law of one? And so these entities went on to describe what, what it was, really. Um, it was just a way of describing everything, the universe and everything and, and what we are as beings and um how um they how the dichotomy in the universe works and really just um came back to this oneness right so that's what they were trying to describe but apparently 
they were just um, like us. They're students of this law of one, and their whole their whole purpose is to understand more deeply this oneness that there is in the universe, that everything is one and everything is connected. And it sounds so simple, but yet infinitely complex. And and that's what they were trying to get across to them. And it's beautifully written. Uh, this book that, that she wrote from the channelings, um, it's actually just the, it's the recorded channelings just written into word. And uh, it's, it's super fascinating and it's, and it's beautiful. And, yeah, no one could have written that on earth. You know, it had to come from a higher place, you know, this, this, the things they say. I think that's an important point to make. It's, um, you can, because of course we can channel beings of all different levels, right? And um, how you can know if this is someone that you want to communicate with is through the content that comes through. Just again, so much of it is the same way that you deal with a regular physical person. It's the way that you deal with an entity. And so yeah. if, if the information that they're bringing through is useful to you in some way, then then that's it's useful to channel them. Um, if the information that they're bringing through is, is fear-based, is making you uncomfortable, um, and not in a way that helps you grow, but just in a way that drops you down to your lower frequency self, then it's not good. And Or if it's plumping you up, you know, making mm-hmm. you um, feel really good but it, about yourself, but it's not helping you grow or being useful in any way. Because there's, there's those kinds of things. There's all different characters, just oh, like sure, there yeah. are in, you know, physical form. And so we have to, you know, look at the information that's coming through and determine if if that's useful to keep communicating or not yeah like you said a lot of this stuff that i've read is you know it's just beings from different places all over the universe you know they can they've they've figured out how to do this and they do it they they hear um apparently they they hear us our call they hear our struggle you know and they they sense it they perceive it somehow and that's what brings them to to us is that um, they want to they want to help, you know. In many cases, they they're really here to just to help everyone. And I think that probably at some point in our history, you know, as human beings on the earth, we were probably more open to this kind of thing and more willing to um, to accept that it was, you know, this this helping hand from who knows where. You know, they may have had different. Um, descriptions for what it was and where it was coming from, but I think this has probably happened to people since the beginning of time, you know? Um, just because, from what I've read, it, at least, it just seems like that kind of a thing where, you know, they're just like us. They had their own struggles. They went through their own thing and they recognize what we're going through and they just want to give a helping hand. And they've probably been here since the very beginning. Yeah, I believe that we all have guides that help us on our journey. Um, but whether or not we're aware of them, that's, you know, the differentiating factor. And the more that we raise our own vibration, the easier it is for us to sense and feel and hear their messages and have that communication. And so that's why, you know, some people will never have these experiences and never believe in it because they're just focused really on the material world. 
And so that's where they're vibrating at the material, the lower chakra stuff. And so they're not going to see or hear or feel. So they're going to think this is all made up. And that's okay because that's what they came to experience on that level. And then other people, as they start to shift their frequency or vibration, and then they're matching more with these higher level beings, then they start to have these experiences that are outside of consensus reality. And so the way that my guides kind of instructed me is a really good way for anybody, you know, through meditation or, you know, working with energy and working with your chakras. Oh, I was working with my, I started working with my chakras then too. And that's the way that I still like to communicate most of the time is to first open all my chakras and bring in, you know, divine energy um, into my body and feel the shift of vibration in my own body. Um, And then it's much easier to connect and and to communicate at that level. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't aware that you were doing that kind of work at that point. I thought maybe um, that they had opened your mind to those concepts too, or or did it work that way too? Yeah, it was somewhere all, it's somewhere all mixed in there. Okay, okay. (laughs) Like they might've given, they might've told me, you know, when we were talking on the Ouija board to do the chakra stuff, I can't quite remember where in that journey, but I know that that energetic piece, because also somewhere in there is when I started with Reiki. And so all the energetic piece was a big piece of um, how I was able to, you know, go from not being able to communicate without the board to being able to channel. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because those are the kind of questions like if I had direct access, kind of like you do, Mm -hmm. um, that's probably where I would be you know, focused on is like, Hey, you know, how can I better serve myself in to, um, I guess to grow spiritually or to, to be a better person, you know, Mm -hmm. how can I work with my own energies and, and, um, find where I need healing and that those, those, I'm sure you ask those kind of questions. Those are the kind. So yeah, the other thing, um, is for the most part, and everybody's guides will be different the way that they work with them, but mine mostly did not want to do much fortune telling. <laughs> I wanted to know, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, will would, you know, just keep saying, oh, you will have to quest for that answer. And I'm like, ah, oh, just tell me. <laughs> should I do this or should I do that? Or what's going to happen if I do this? And um, But really they were focused on, you know, growth and healing. And, and of course now that's what I'm really focused on too. I, I don't believe for the most part that I think most things are not set in stone. There's maybe an energetic path that I'm on right now. And so like a psychic could tune into that and say, oh, three months, six months, this is, you know, where you're headed. But if I made a different choice, I could shift in a different direction. I don't think it's all set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like our past, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the future is a little more Mm -hmm. murky. Yeah, um, I think that's a big temptation that people probably would have. Like, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's what should I? Yeah, like mm-hmm. what should I do now? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they probably won't give clear answers on that because just from what I've read, at least they will tell you to a certain degree if they feel like it's helpful. But most of the time, they're just like not very clear about it. You know. But even though they say, yeah, we can see it better than you can like what might happen, but, um, that's not a lot of times they've, they actually say, 
well, we're not going to tell you because we don't want to infringe on your free will. And that's a big rule, apparently. Like, they, that's one rule that they all have to follow is, like, we cannot infringe on your free will because there's this, uh, this idea of polarization, right? So these entities who are coming to you with a helpful hand have this polarization that they're trying to increase where they call it service to others, and then they call the opposite polarization service to self. And then they do describe it as positive and negative, um, but I don't think it's positive and negative like you and I would think. They're just different to them. They're opposites, basically. And they say that if they infringe on our free will, it lowers, it shifts their polarization to the other way, and they don't want that to happen. They're working towards a certain direction, and they want to keep going in that direction. And they say that most of us here on Earth are going in that direction, too, and that's why they offer their help. Yeah, I mean, we have to go through it ourselves to really learn it. It mm -hmm. just makes me think of when I was 16 and first had learned how to drive and the very first time when it snowed and my parents really insisted that they were going to drive me to work that morning. And I was, you know, typical 16 year old, like mom and dad, you know, that's so embarrassing. I'm not letting you drive me. I'm going to drive. And I'd never driven in snow. And sure enough, I got an accident <laughs> that oh. morning, but you know, my parents, couldn't, I needed to go through that. I needed to learn that. They couldn't tell me anything different. I had to go through that. And that's like us too, you know. They can't just come in here and then protect us from what we came to learn by telling us, oh, don't go that way. Oh, don't go this way. Yeah. We need to have those experiences ourselves to really know inside. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it gives me a little bit of um, a comfort to hear that because – Sometimes it can be really, you can be really hard on yourself. Like, oh, why did I talk to that person that way? Or why did I do that? But, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's, we're learning, you know, we're not perfect. We're here because we're not perfect. And it's part of going through this whole thing is that, you know, we're just, we're just trying to feel our way through it and eventually do the right thing. You're not going to do the right thing every time, but yeah, it's, it's so true. Like with, even with kids, like you were saying with the car and everything, driving in the snow that gives me a lot of memories because i grew up in wyoming and we had to do that a lot and yeah you don't know what it's like to drive on ice and snow until you actually do it so you have to go and do it and um it's like with kids you know my kid she i know when she's gonna like make a mistake but i sometimes i just have to let her you know it's mm -hmm. like you know, she's gonna learn that's how she's gonna learn and you can tell them like oh you should do it this way a million times but they won't do it until they actually make the mistake themselves and then they'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like what you said before. Our guides are kind of like our parents in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then we're kind of like the kid. We pause the recording here to take a quick break. And I wanted to explain that so you wouldn't be confused about the discontinuity in the conversation. When we returned from the break, I was saying how unfortunate it was that Tiana got rid of her old journals that held a lot of the material she channeled in the past. Now we'll go ahead and continue with the conversation at that point. All the other ones from <laughs> way back, though. So, what is the story with that? That's like a whole another podcast. Is it? Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's just, you know, so I've been on this spiritual journey for quite a few years now, and there's just been different phases of what I was focusing on and what I was learning. And, um, there was a phase. Oh, you're really forcing me to come out of my closet here, <laughs> my spiritual closet. 
Um, there was a phase when I was part of this organization that looking back now, I would say was sort of a cult. And it, I mean, it takes a lot of courage for me to say that because, um, you know, the same way if you say like, oh, I talk to spirits, how people are going to perceive you a certain way. If you say like, oh, I was part of an, a cult, <laughs> people are going to perceive you a certain way. And But again, this is part of the spiritual journey to just trust and know who you are. And it doesn't matter how other people perceive you. Um, it's about stepping into your authentic self and and being that and knowing that, you know, the people that matter will see and know who you are and not everybody's going to believe anything that you say and that's okay too. It's not about that. Yeah, that's true. And <clears throat> you will have to tell that story now because <laughs> you've got in people very interested, I'm sure. Yeah, well, well, future, future <laughs> episode for sure. Okay. Um. So I guess it was during that time they pressured you to do that or something? Mm -hmm. oh. It was about just, you know, focusing on their teachings. And um, so the great thing about that, well, I mean, so what, well, I guess I'm a little bit, I'm just going to a little bit touch in on it. But there's, of course, the big story like, oh, what is it like to be in a, mm -hmm. <laughs> a cult? How does one get into that? But I was really drawn because um, they were talking about promoting enlightenment and peace on the planet. And at that point in my life, I had already been on a spiritual journey, but very much on my own. And whenever I had, ex like when I moved to Boston, I was looking for others like me, right? Because we need that community. And I tried a bunch of different places. Um, and everywhere I went, it was nice people and I could connect with them on some level, but mostly it was people who were a lot older than me. You know, I was pretty young to be spiritually focused the way intensely that I was and, and still am, but not as young now. <laughs> but, um, and so I would go to these different groups, um, like a spiritualist church or, a Buddhist meditation place or all these different things that I went to. Um, but everybody was a lot older. And so they were just at a different phase in their life that I couldn't connect with them that same way. And then when I found this, it is actually like a yoga center and, um, and everybody was young and really passionate about wanting to create enlightenment in the world and, and spread peace. And I was so excited to find other people, you know, that were my age that were passionate about it. Um, the same way that I was. And that's kind of what, what drew me in into that organization. Um, and so I think having already been on a spiritual path and having my own connection. So this is where the channeling comes back in because I had my own connection to higher guidance. Then even though the organization would say some things, if it didn't resonate, like I might just go along with it, but inside I wasn't believing it. And there were things that didn't um, that didn't feel true to me inside, but I just felt that, oh, but I have this place where I can help a lot of people. So even though some of the stuff that they say doesn't resonate with me, it's okay because I've never had this. I was looking for a way to help people and um, and suddenly I'd stepped into it. And so so I, anyway, I went along with some of these practices and let go of all of that old, you know, notebooks of channeling and stuff, but still sometimes when I needed it, I would inwardly go and connect and get, 
you know, that wisdom. And that's what eventually left me, I mean, guided me to leave the organization um, three years later is that uh, my own inner knowing and inner guidance validated that it was the right time. And that's more how I think I use the channeling now. It, it, it validates my own inner wisdom, my own inner knowing. So it's not because I think one of the fears or concerns and certainly something that some people fall into is giving away your power to the same way you don't want to give away your power to some person or this organization. You don't want to give your away your power to some other being to decide your fate. You're here to empower yourself and trust yourself, even if you have to make some mistakes along the way. And um, good guides encourage that and foster that. They're not trying to tell you everything, what to do. They're not trying to take control, but they're kind of gently nudging you. And sometimes they're giving more feedback if it's appropriate when you need it. And other times they're giving you the tough love and they're stepping away. And that's a sign of a good guide. That's absolutely true. You know, you once... um, read a a channeling that you had written down for your friend Paul, your old coworker Paul. Mm-hmm. And you read that out to me and I think actually I may have that recorded. If you don't mind, I might play it on this podcast, but I'll I'll let you listen to it first, but um once you you read that to me, it really like resonated with me. And it really, it really was helpful. So, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to mention that because I just remembered that you had done that one day. You came over here and you'd had it written down and you read it to me. And yeah, it was really, it was funny because it was for him, but it was so relevant for me too. And it was very helpful. And I think back a lot to that, what you said. So after quite a bit of digging, I actually was able to find that recording. I'll play it for you right now. So Paul was like sort of a mentor or whatnot. And I left the company and we stayed in touch. And um, Paul would ask me sometimes, oh, Paul told me that. So so the interesting thing about Paul was like, you know, like back in the 60s, I guess, you know, he, he, he did feel drawn to spirituality and he'd read like the Carlos Castaneda books. He told me, and this is why I think, you know, he was, oh, yeah, yeah. how we got into me sharing that I was going through a spiritual awakening. And, um, and he told me that he had this experience where, so he was kind of like exploring these spiritual things. And then one time he was meditating and then um, he came to the realization that he had to make a choice. He could either, and I don't remember if he was married at that time or, or thinking of getting married, he could either choose, you know, this life with his wife and, you know, this work in the business field, or he had to let go of all of that and follow the spiritual path. Now, I personally, and I didn't, you know, Paul, he's very stubborn, so you can't really, like, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll like, smile and nod like he agrees with you, but if he doesn't, he's not going to really listen to you anyway. And so, um, but I think that that was his misinterpret. I think he set that boundary. I don't think that, I don't think that we ever have to choose, like, oh, you can, you know, again, you can either choose the spiritual path or the worldly path. Yeah. But that was, and so that was what he 
took from he, that experience. Yeah. And so then he shut down the spiritual path and just went into the worldly path. Oh. But I think part of him was still really drawn to that, right? Yeah. And so part of them, he was very smart. He was really strategic and he liked office politics and he liked because Hawaii you know it's like a big small town so like there's a small business community and he knew the players and he knew like some of the time and so he liked playing that field yeah right but then um there was this other spiritual part of himself that had been trying to call him that he you know felt like he couldn't right and so I think that's why he was so drawn and and asked me about it so much. So anyway, so when I once I left, and then you know he said like, oh, part of him really wants to get out of this politic business field and be more free. But you know he has to support his wife, and they lived in a nice you know the Hawaii Kai, this expensive area of Hawaii, and mm-hmm. um, so he felt like he, he sort of felt trapped, like he couldn't do that. Yeah. And then he asked me if I would, because that's when I was still like channeling a lot. He asked me if I would channel a message. And, oh, can I read it to you? Yeah. Okay. Whoa. I haven't heard this story. Yeah. No, it's it's so fascinating because I'd forgotten, like, because it was in my, it's in my hotmail. Oh, yeah. We don't have to talk over the. No. um, I'd forgotten about this and. I'd had, I don't know. So, you know, because he passed in like 2012. And then, I don't know, a few years later, I just saw that I had a folder called Paul. And it was because, you know, we'd kept in, you know, not very often, but every now and then. And so I was like, oh, what's what's in this folder? And there was this channeled message that um, he, because he had asked me, because he was kind of like, oh, is there, you know, can I leave or, or whatnot? Anyway, I, I have, like, I think I've talked to you about before about the I am presence. Like, I, yeah, I, I had channeled the I am presence. So this is, like, back in, this is September 4th, 1999. And Whoa. so um, so I have, at times, previously connected to the I am presence. So I didn't, like, when I would channel back then, I didn't ask to speak to someone specifically, like, who would come through, you know, usually it was Will that would come through, but sometimes yeah. Will wouldn't come through and somebody else would come through. So this one was like, I don't know if I have the question, what he asked here. It said, Fascinating. okay, <laughs> it, actually it's kind of long because I just realized, yeah, but yeah, like, it's interesting to the story. It says, I am the I am presence. I have a message for your friend, Paul. He wishes to receive some guidance from your higher self. Oh yeah. So I think he asked for my higher self. And so, um, It says, you have a need to give a message to your friend, Paul. He has a lot of fear and even more doubts than most. His fears are tied into his beliefs that he cannot be a happy man without his certain physical material trappings. He has a need to be accepted by his peers and to be valued by others in the most historical way. He has a desire to be a well-respected man who does honorable things and makes smart decisions. Therefore, he finds himself trapped in his beliefs that this is what makes him happy. He cannot fulfill his soul mission if he keeps hiding behind his false assumptions. He uses his mind to play tricks on himself. Even when he feels he is seeking answers, he is in fact hiding from them. Because he'll ask a question, but then he won't really like take that. Yeah. So um, he plays such a good game of hide and seek that he forgets he is the one hiding and then he cannot find himself. 
This game goes on and on. He keeps coming to you or others for answers he knows he has. He can play this game for the rest of his life and never will he find true satisfaction. He must learn to release all the beliefs that do not serve as happiness. He wants to release these beliefs very badly and yet he is afraid of the changes he knows must occur in order for him to make himself happy. He has such fear of what others will think. This is one of the main reasons why he has remained in his job for so long. He has a need to do what others find respectable. He has such a strong sense of wanting to be respected and admired that he doesn't know how to release those fears and move in another direction. He will be the first to cite his financial reasons as being why he cannot leave his job and change the course of his life. But he knows very well that he doesn't have to remain in this particular financial situation if he doesn't choose to. There are many options and not all of them have been considered by him. He feels he has to pay off his mortgage and therefore that limits his options. He has all these constraints and yet they are not nearly as concrete as he supposes them to be. He has created concrete barriers around him so that he may have a number of excuses to keep him where he's at in a place he understands. While it may not be making him happy, he at least knows what it's all about. And this security is what keeps him from his happiness. He fears the instability of change. He does not like to lose control in any situation. He is one who always likes to have control over himself, his surrounding, his situation. The idea of allowing and letting others to guide him in his search for understanding is a paradox for him. He seeks answers but does not apply the knowledge gained. He feels ready to allow a quick fix to a situation, but no true changes can be made unless he begins to break down his almighty belief structure. This is the challenge for you, Paul. You have no more excuses. So this was like really harsh, right? Whoa. I felt bad, sure, but but I had channeled, yeah, I channeled other things to him. So this is already after he'd asked me a number of times uh -huh. and those other ones from other beings were so soft. And I think the I am present came in and laid Got it down yeah. because, okay, so anyway, um, you have no more excuses. All has been laid out quite clearly for you to make the appropriate adjustments. You know where the responsibility for your own happiness lays. Are you the type to take control of your own happiness? You feel most comfortable when you are in control. Why not take this need for control and apply it to making yourself happy? Why not take charge of your situation instead of sitting around feeling helpless? I'm not here to make you feel poorly about yourself. I am merely pointing out the inconsistencies in your approach to life. In one arena of your life, you are constantly trying to take charge and direct your path in the area of business. But in the area of your soul satisfaction, you hand off this responsibility to others and claim you have no control. You have come to a point in your career where you are much more accepting of changes in which you did not necessarily create but you have the ability to navigate through. Apply this knowledge to your own personal life. You may not be able to control the world economy or even the state's economy, but you can certainly navigate your own personal economy within these structures. There is no need for you to fall victim to any particular way of doing things. There are always choices. You always have a vast array of options to choose from. If you do not like the choice you've made, make another. I know you say it's not that easy, that others depend on you. These are merely excuses. You do not even openly discuss some of your options with your wife, so how can you say she will not be open to them? 
Until you quit making up excuses, until you are sincerely committed to making changes, there is nothing anyone else can do to help you. Realize that I'm not saying I, that I do not say this out of spite. Quite the contrary. I'm trying to impress upon you the ability you possess to create your own reality. I wish to empower you to the fullest. Now it is time for your move. Only then can you make this next step. Good luck. I'm standing by you all the way. We are most intimately connected, as perhaps one day you will come to learn in your own search. There is no greater happiness than to find one's own self. I am waiting for you to find me someday. Now, what's so trippy? So that was in 1999, and then Paul didn't need that, and he didn't leave his until he got he got that liver disease, and he had to leave, and and then he spent his time doing what he actually loved, which was day trading at home, playing his ukulele with his dog, hanging out with his wife. And, um, but I, but I just found that because like it was said so harshly because he wasn't getting it. And this was like the wake up call. And I just wonder like, you know, if he had done that, then his, his body might not have had to ch yeah. chosen to get sick yeah. and his soul might not have had to exit that way. Yeah. It's so like, it was all given to him, but you know, and anyway, in this life, but anyway, so then when Paul did all that, like towards the end, towards his life, like the same way with my uncle, like and then Paul became vegan and then he was like having like these like spiritual experiences towards the end. And so that was the only way, because that's the only way his soul could get him like, you know, what he was, had actually come to do because his personality so resisted. been really helpful for me yeah a lot of the messages that come through um they would say that they're like this isn't just for you because we're yeah we're going through there's universal lessons and themes that we're all, go all going through mm -hmm. and so um a lot of the messages yeah they can just be for everyone or for certain people at a certain point in time and yeah. that's why it's hard to share these things you know with the public and um so, so many of these stories are so personal, but um, I think it's important because, not again, not everybody's going to be going through this, but there's certain people that really will resonate and be like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. Oh, okay, yeah. this, is, this is real. And those are the people, I guess, that we're wanting to connect with. And for those of you who are curious about channeling and maybe thinking about trying it yourself, here's a few words from Tiana about what to expect. With channeling, again, the main things to remember are, so one, it's to uh, shift yourself to the highest frequency that's available to you first, and then two, to use your intention to connect. You know, if you have a pure intention um, just for the highest good, not because you want to you know, egoic intention would be because you want to be a famous channeler or you want to impress your friends or, you know, you want to get the lottery numbers like that kind of intention will attract that kind of level of being. And so if you're really just wanting to grow and to heal and to connect with a being that will serve in that way, you're going to attract through that. So it's important to be able to check yourself. And then, of course, after you do that, and then whoever you connect to, 
you know, you ask them if they serve love and light or you ask them to show love to you and you feel that and you discern whether they're, you know, coming from a good place, then finally, um, you know, make sure that you record the messages somehow, whether you write them down or whether you have a voice recorder. And then based on the information that comes through, if it's useful or valuable, then you can decide if you're going to continue that communication. And when you first start channeling, it does seem a lot like it's just your own voice. And I think, you know, so much of the experiences on the spiritual path are like this. It feels like it's your imagination, but keep going anyway. How are you going to know unless you try something? You know, how am I going to learn how to drive in the snow unless I try and maybe don't do a good job at first, but then through practice get better. And channeling is just another one of those things that the more you practice, then uh, the stronger you have to build that connection. You have to raise your vibration and build this energetic connection with your guide or even just your own soul. It doesn't have to be this separate consciousness just to connect your personality to your the highest level of consciousness of your own that you can. And um, that's, that's what I, I mean. In some ways I feel like, oh, I'm just channeling my own soul most of the time. Um, and then it doesn't seem so scary. It doesn't have to be this outside force that you're connecting with. But those would be my main guidelines and then again i would recommend to to read opening to channel by sinea roman that's a really good approach and i really like um so she channels us being Orin, and i've always really liked their work they have a number of books um uh one called spiritual growth one called personal power through awareness they're really positive you can feel the positive vibration and so that made me trust them a lot again like we were learning how to discern who whose information to trust and and there's just a feeling tone that i got from them and so yeah i, I really like their information thank you for listening to this episode of beyond the illusion in the next episode we have a conversation with valerie bachman she practices sound therapy in the Austin, Texas area and has a lot of important information to share with us about sound and how she uses it as a healing modality. It's a great conversation with some surprises in there too, so be sure to join us for that one. And now I'd like to say thank you to Casey Henson for providing all the music. And to take us to the end of this episode, I'm going to play a short recording of Tiana reading one of her channelings. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. How can I know what is the right action to take in a situation? Oftentimes right action doesn't look the way that ego believes to be correct. Right action involves doing what is best for all the souls involved, not necessarily for all the egos. Understand that egos can still experience a great deal of suffering when right action is performed. The soul knows that the ego is the temporary false self and therefore any pain experienced by the ego is not real and not permanent. Therefore, the soul is willing to risk the temporary suffering of the false self in order to develop permanent growth on the soul level. This is in fact the purpose of earthly experience, to achieve some level of soul growth. 
Eventually, the ego that aligns itself with the soul will mostly grow through joy and less through suffering because it will not identify itself only as this limited false self. It will be conscious of its true awareness as a soul.